0: Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. You can find episode show notes, past episode archives, and listener discussions at our website, thenexttrack.com. And in between episodes, follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast.
1: So I had a dream a couple of weeks ago. I woke up in the morning after a good night's sleep, and that dream. You know how you have a dream sometimes just as you're waking up and it's really vivid and you can actually remember it. And it was so vivid that I couldn't forget it. And you and I, since we decided to terminate the Next Track podcast, we've been having regular Monday afternoon discussions on Skype. And this is when we record the next track. And I told you about the dream and you laughed a lot. And my dream was that we got together to redo the next track. We did a reunion tour, but that we wouldn't worry about making each episode 30 minutes, and that mainly we would focus on our next track picks. So I presented the idea to you, and your reaction was quite positive, more positive than I had expected.
0: Yeah, um, I wanted to, I, I started doing the next track at home by myself. <laughs> you know, I was, I ended up talking to myself a lot and things like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, when you suggested that, and you took the, it um, took the pressure off. Because it was difficult for us to come up with new topics every week and then make them last for half an hour. It was, it was always a relief, of course, to have a good guest on. But when it was just you and I, we were running out of ideas and it was just, uh, just getting tedious. And it, it, I think it was affecting, you know, how I felt about the show for sure. Um, so we stopped. We took a hiatus and now the reunion tour. I was going to say we were going to get the band back together again, but the band didn't break up. We just didn't record. Um, that's pretty much how it was. And it's only been about eight weeks. Yeah. It's not that long. Yeah, it hasn't been long at all. It's like a summer vacation, except it's not summer. So what we'd like to do is really just spend a little time up front talking about maybe something that, that interested us music-wise for the week and then talk about our next track picks. I'm not sure if, if the if the whole focus of the show should be on our next track picks because that was a pretty popular uh, uh, part of the show. People seem to like that, and, and we like doing it. Um, so that's what we'll do. We'll uh, we'll chat a little about music, and you posted an article this week that I thought was really interesting um, that talked about modern music and talked about how people listen to music.
1: Uh, Yes, my article is entitled, Voice Assistance Will Impoverish Music, and that's a pretty forthright statement, but uh, the idea... Can you explain what you mean
0: by impoverish? Well... Because that that was a weird word to use.
1: Oh, well, I'm a writer. I'm use weird words I know but I want well it will make music poorer it will it will reduce the amount of music we get here's here's my theory back in the day and here we go old people again LPs you'd look through your shelf or your pile of LPs and you'd look for something and you know when you're doing that think of the the mindset you had not if it was altered in any way but the fact that what you were looking for was a, a sign a representation of what was on the type of music you wanted to listen to. You had a hankering to listen to music. And you knew that when you saw a particular album, it would sort of click and say, yes, this is what I wanted to listen to. Or there was an album you were looking for, can't remember who it's by, but the cover would remind you. And, you know, if you hadn't recently re-alphabetized your records, then you might not be able to find it. And did you alphabetize them by artist or by title? If you don't remember the name of the album, you can't find it. So this, all of this came down to Visual ways of deciding what you were going to listen to. I don't think anyone ever. Well, I take that back. I know there were people who created catalogs and lists and file cards for their for their uh, music collections, but that's not how you thought of listening to music. Now, of course, over time that changed. We got CDs, so the shelves were smaller. They were easier to alphabetize because the spines were wider, so you could see, you know, who the artist and the album were. And we would still look for something visually. Then in iTunes, well, you had multiple ways to search for something. You could look for a song. If you want to find Freebird, you type Freebird in the search field, and you get Freebird. I don't remember which album Freebird was on, though. So if I wanted to listen to the whole album, I would have to look for the artist, Leonard Skinner. Or you could flip through in album view, for example, and you'd see the covers of the albums. You'd see the artwork, if you have all the artwork for your, your records. Now, fast forward to now with voice assistants, and you're sitting in front of your HomePod, your Sonos speaker, whatever it is, and you say, hey, voice assistant, I'd really like to listen to that Beatles album with the white cover. Which one is it? I can't remember what the name is. And of course, when I asked the voice assistant on my iPhone, it says, I don't have that information in Beatles. You can also try Play the Movie Beatles. Now, if you do ask the voice assistant to play the white album, it will play that. But if you ask it to, say, play the Grateful Dead record with the rose on the cover, it's not going to know that that's American Beauty. And what this means is that when we want to listen to music, we need to know what we want to listen to by name and not just have this sort of semiotic relationship between the sound in our brains and what we're looking for. So as people start requesting music in that manner, well, you can't remember a lot of stuff. I mean, it's not you or me personally, age or anything. There's a limit as to what the mind can hold. If I were to ask you to name 10 of your favorite songs, you'd be able to. If I were to ask you to name 50, it'd be a little more difficult. You'd get there. It'd take a while. If I were to ask you to name 100 records that you own that you really like, this would be a long time.
0: Yeah, that would take a long time. And I know, uh, as well as you may know your own music library, people who use these voice assistants don't know music the way we do. They don't know what they're looking for. They're fishing. And I thought Kirk's article was interesting because it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with another article that I saw e- before I saw his, written by a, a gentleman named uh, James Shotwell at holixdaily.com. Holix is apparently a company that makes software for, for marketing musicians. I didn't really look into it that much. But anyway, um, he essentially says voice assistant are going to be problematic for musicians. And the reason is, and this is a great example, there are 42 songs named Let It Go on the streaming services. If you ask for Let It Go, what version are you going to get? And why are you going to get that version? Are you going to get the the most popular version of Let It Go? Are you going to get the one that's most popular that week, that month? The one that's most requested? You don't know. Presumably, you want to hear... The the one from the soundtrack of Frozen, but there are other songs by Let It called Let It Go that I presume uh, have nothing to do with Frozen. They're just completely different songs. What if you got one of those? Uh, it's kind of difficult for musicians to have to and and their marketing companies to how do we get our song, you know, how do how do we make sure that it's our song that's going to get played? How do we make sure that it's our song that's going to get the credit and and therefore you know get some money for it so it's a it's a very interesting problem having to you know work with voice assistants the other thing I want to say about looking for songs is when I was working in the radio people would call up and request songs and I don't know how I would say most people would say can you play that song that goes uh, Rosalita jump a little lighter They don't know the name of the song. They don't know it's by Bruce Springsteen. They just know they like that song. And this is especially the case for new songs. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things that is great is that Apple Music and uh, maybe the other services have a lyrics search. So you can now look for lyrics. So even if you don't know the name of the song, you can, like I used to get requests, you can now ask for, play that song that has, hey, Rosalie, to jump a little lighter in it. You But you couldn't do that with a voice assistant yet. I don't think they're smart enough yet. Hey, Siri, play Let It Go.
1: Let It Go by Idina Menzel, now playing. Is that the one from Frozen? Yeah, that's the one from Frozen. Okay. See, I don't know Frozen. I don't have kids young enough to know Frozen. The the naming thing is interesting. There was a clue in the New York Times crossword puzzle a couple days ago, a salt and pepper hit from 1993 called Shoop, with the intriguing lyrics, shoop, shoop, badoops, shoop, badoop, shoop badoop badoop etc cetera, etc cetera. now i had never heard of that and i actually had to look it up to find it but is are the are the voice assistants going to be able to recognize songs with names like that you know one problem that i've had is trying to get any classical music by a specific performer For, forget about getting you know the pavlovitzian dance number 3 they'll find one of those but if I want to hear, say, Charles Ives Concord Sonata played by uh Marc Andre Amelin, and I'm pronouncing it correctly, they are not gonna find it. And it, it goes a lot further than that. It goes anything that is out of anything that is out of the sort of comfort zone of these voice assistants, which certainly have an algorithm of we gotta be ninety five percent sure to be able to do it, otherwise we say we don't know is not going to be found. So the problem that I'm seeing regarding the impoverishment of music is that people will not be playing music that they can't remember. And the, the majority of people who listen to music as wallpaper, 80% roughly, are going to request the most recent songs, or maybe they'll look for a playlist or a specific artist, but it's still going to be the most recent stuff. And that means the back catalog is going to fade out. With one exception, the classic rock back catalog is going to exi- exist as long as there are baby boomers because that stuff has been played so many times.
0: That's an interesting thing because, uh, according to all the, the research that's being done, the, the bell curve of, of smart speaker ownership peaks with people 35 to 50. And those are the people that like the classic rock that their parents listen to. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that that will work. It's really interesting that, I can't choose, I prefer to go back and choose my music by looking through my library rather than asking the voice assistant. I've tried it a couple of times with Siri. We have an Echo Dot, too. I've messed around with that a little bit. And I'm never satisfied with what come what, what they find. And even then, it it's either has to be a playlist that I've maybe already heard or that I'm only going to want to hear once anyway because I don't listen to music the way wallpaper listeners do. I listen critically and I listen, you know, for recreation, for fun and that kind of thing. Um, so it, it comes down to, um, the music you're going to request is going to be the most popular that is happening now. There's really no other way to do it. They have to, I, I, I think it's going to be based on the number of requests that they get and the popularity of the songs, which can all be measured dozens of different ways. I mean, there's all kinds of tracking for that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Now, I'm just looking at Miles Davis's discography. Now, granted, the people who listen to Miles Davis are probably less likely to request music over a smart speaker. But if you want to listen to some of his early prestige recordings before he joined Columbia, you've got walkin', Cooking, relaxin', workin', steamin'. Great albums all. But how do you remember which one is which? Which one has the song, the track that you want to hear? You might remember Bag's groove, because that's a song that he played a lot. You might remember the one with uh, Miles Davis and the Modern Jazz Giants, because that's got the Modern Jazz Giants. It's got a longer title. But you're, you're basically going to, it's its a sort of a funnel that is inverted. You're going down the top of the funnel because you can't see any further. For his later records, you may remember "Of Sketches of Spain, you may remember... You'll certainly remember Kind of Blue. You'll remember Bitches Brew and some things like that, but you won't remember everything. And essentially, music is going to be selected by what people can remember. And when you filter the 50 million tracks that streaming services have now, you've just gotten this down to next to nothing. People will be more likely to want a, I don't know, a Rolling Stones' Greatest Hits records instead of the one with the zipper on the cover. What was that called again?
0: That's Sticky Fingers. Right, Sticky Fingers. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you did know that, right?
1: Of course I did. But I'm just putting myself in the situation of either an elderly baby baby boomer whose memory has faded, or someone young who's seen the record but can't remember what it's called. And when, when you're using the voice assistant, you have no visual feedback. And if you're using a HomePod, right, you can't see a screen. You can always look at the screen on your iPhone, open it and search, and say, show me Rolling Stones, and you'll see all the albums. But when you're using a voice assistant, you can't do that. In my car, one of my cars has CarPlay, and obviously I can only request while I'm driving what I can say. Now, put yourself in this situation when you're driving, and you want some driving music, right? There's a certain kind of music. You think of L.A. Woman or, I don't know,
0: Exile on Main Street, The Clash is London Calling. Highway Star, Deep Purple. That's the one I usually...
1: Okay. But go beyond that, and you want something a little bit more obscure and... You got to pull the car over if you want to choose what yeah, you right. want to
0: listen to. Yeah. See, I think in a situation like that, having having ready-made playlists is probably good. If you if you know you're going to be in the car, you're going to be in the car for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever it is, you may have playlists set up and ready to go for that. I mean, I kind of do, I suppose. Um, but I just fall back on, on a decent playlist or whatever my, my radio station on on Apple Music pulls up for me.
1: Yeah, so I use my Apple Music radio station, but the problem is there are several types of music, and if if it's in the mood to play jazz today, it's going to play about 12 tracks of jazz before it gets into something else, and if I don't want to hear jazz, which rarely in the car do I want to hear jazz, I have to skip forward until I get to something else, but then it gets to another genre,
0: and that's not the right one either, so... You don't want to play DJ while you're driving the car. I mean, that's one exactly. of the things I do not that's like. The whole point of, that's, more, that's the whole point of saying car,
1: play me music. Yeah. So, I I think if you're in this situation in a car, you should make some playlists and maybe even put your 50 favorite records into one playlist and and tell the car to shuffle Shuffle that playlist. And at least there, you know, you'll have music that you want to hear. Or make one playlist for jazz, one for rock, one for blues, one for, you know, whatever. Think about doing that so you don't have to pull over. And, you know, if you're 20 miles between a service station on a on a freeway or a motorway, then that's a long time to go not listening to good
0: music. I can't believe that you would actually ask a voice assistant to play one Miles Davis song. though. <laughs> you know, would you do that? Well, not so much a song, but a, but a record.
1: Uh, but So if you're at home and you're listening on your Home Pod, and oh yeah, I really want to hear this song, I really want to hear Round Midnight. I wonder, can Siri play? Hey Siri, play Miles Davis Round Midnight. Playing Round Midnight by Miles Davis. And it's the correct one, too, the mono record. But of course, if I were to just say play Round Midnight, because lots of people covered it, hey Siri, play Round Midnight. Comes up with Thelonious Monk. Do I really want to hear Monk's version? Maybe. So the problem, and, and so this is the problem you mentioned with multiple songs with the same title. This is why authors tend to be very careful about how they name their books when they write novels. Because you don't want someone... You don't want a novel whose name is the same as an existing novel, particularly if the existing novel is bad. Um, There was an interesting story a couple years ago. I think Stephen King released a novel and the title already existed of a previous book. And it turned out that the other author was getting like thousands of sales. And Stephen King was like, I'm really sorry, but I'm really glad for you because I helped out, you know, (laughs) a, a, a backlist author who hasn't been selling a lot of books. But yeah, you got to be careful about that.
0: Well, that's an interesting thing too because I mean, as a musician, I don't I don't want to have to name my album or name a song because it's not going to get through the voice algorithm. It's not, you know what I mean? It's I don't want to I don't want to use my my artistry to cater to this this algorithm. I want to do what I want to do, and if I want to name my song Let It Go, then I'm going to do it. Um, you know, but then again on the other hand, I can definitely see some people trying to game the system where they do come up with unusual, memorable and unique album names and and song titles. Thank you next. I don't know how you could forget the name of that song and it's really easy to pass that title along. Um so, I mean, is that an example of of Ariana Grande taking uh taking advantage of of the algorithm? I don't know, but it's a, it's an interesting thought. It could be the producers
1: are saying now, you know, think carefully about the names of your songs because people are going to search for them that way. And what about covers? When someone does a cover, they can't change the name of the song. So would anyone really record, you know, blowing in the wind today, uh, hoping to get airplay on a streaming service? Not to mention, I don't know, whole lot of love or um, any any famous song.
0: I mean, there are, plenty of, there are plenty of songs that deserve to be covered, and then, you know that's a popular thing, but are you going to think twice now before you release it because you may not even get any hits for it?
1: Yeah. So the, the listener would need to know the name of the artist in that case. Yep. Now, the, the Frozen song, I already forgot the name because I'm, I have no young children. If I knew the name of the artist of a different artist, I could say play whatever it is by this artist. But this, comp- this is the memory problem that we can't remember to all this detail. And eventually, those backlist forgotten songs will remain forgotten at the bottom of the bell curve. And, you know, it's the most popular, the most recent songs that are going to get more airplay. And what's really interesting about this is that there are many records that were released and weren't really popular immediately. So if a record can't get a foothold in the first few months, you know, sometimes it's a year later that a record becomes popular. Often, if if music from a record is used on a soundtrack of a movie, that will reinvigorate the sales of a, a previous record. And of course, that could do it now because people will be looking for the song because of the of the soundtrack. But it means that the launch window for a record, a song, or an album is extremely short today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You got to be quick, and it's. I I remember when, you know, doing radio in the 80s and the 90s, an album would sit at the top of the charts for weeks and weeks and weeks because they would manipulate how the singles were released and coordinate the marketing and things. But with streaming, you really don't have that much control over what the audience is going to be demanding to hear from it.
1: Well, there is the single release uh, strategy. Often, in fact, these days, it's more singles than albums. And so the real important thing for artists today, at least in genres like pop and and rap and all that, is to get into playlists, because it's the playlists that people are choosing or asking for. They're not going to remember the titles of the songs. And so if you're in a playlist, you get the play until the song is bounced out of the playlist by something new. And then we're back to radio, aren't we, that had a playlist of, you know, 50 songs that you play during the day. And they last until people tire of them. And I'm sure the radio stations, you know, they were looking at the, the billboard charts to see when things started dropping. And then they drop them out and bring something new in. And it's these playlists are pretty much just
0: like radio without the DJ and the ads. I would really like, in, I, and I don't imagine it could happen now, but in the next few years, you will have your own DJ assistant. And your DJ assistant will actually learn what you like. It will really learn what you like. Not like Apple Music that detects You play this song a lot. It will learn your musical taste. And it will behave like a radio station. So you'll have your DJ voice assistant talking to you and going, Hey, good morning, Doug. How you doing? It's 52 degrees outside. We're going to have... I mean, you know, he does all that stuff for me. Or she does that all, all that stuff for me. And then plays a few songs and backsells them. Maybe... Even plays a few ads. Ooh. Maybe if Ooh. this is a free service, maybe I get a couple of, of radio commercials a couple of times an hour. But I mean, it's all catered to me. Not, not, uh, you know, just, well, you might like this, you might like this because you like this genre, because you like this era of music, you might like this. I, I know we, both of us complain about these algorithms that, that find, you know, because uh, I tweeted one today. Because you like the Jay Giles band, you might like Patti Smith.
1: What I don't see I mean, the I link do, there.
0: Yeah, I I do like Patty Smith, but it's not because I like the Jake Isles band. Um, so I mean, I'm hoping that the algorithms get better and the voice assistants get better, and then I will have my own my own um, what would you call it? My music valet. That would be awesome. Your
1: your music concierge. Yes, exactly. But That's of course, like then that. these would be personally targeted ads based on your web activity mm-hmm. and online behavior and all that, and that gets crazy. okay.
0: Okay. Well, it is creepy, but you can see how it could be done. Yeah.
1: So imagine if your music concierge is, you were just looking last night for, I don't know, let's think of something, a new couch. And your music concierge says, you know what, Dougie, we've got this furniture store down in Boston, and they've got sales on couches. And we know how many people are in your family, how many cats and dogs you have. And this is the right size couch
0: for you. I I wouldn't mind it. I mean, I, I, you know, I get the creepiness factor, but you know what though? You just pay for it. 10 dollars a month. Okay, fine. Get rid of the ads. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh let's get into our next track then. Yeah,
1: we we don't have to fill 30 minutes of it, so next track. So, I've been listening to something um in in the past couple of weeks a few times and this is an extraordinary piece of music. Obviously, for the reunion tour show, I had to pick something by the Grateful Dead, but that's not why I picked it. I picked it because it is one of the most astounding Grateful Dead recordings. It is arguably the longest single song that the Grateful Dead recorded or at least officially released and i'll go into that later it's five twenty one seventy four it's playing in the band and on the box set that was released last year called pacific northwest seventy three seventy four the complete recordings it is listed at forty six fifty nine now if you cut out the intro, it comes out to about forty six twenty you know the intro before they start playing. Playing in the Band is one of the two songs that they used for these really long extended jams through the 70s. Dark Star is the other one, and most people are familiar with that. Playing in the Band is just a little song that's on a little album that Bob Weir recorded called Ace, which was technically a solo album. Of course, all the Grateful Dead members played on it. And they would do a verse, and then they would just kind of settle into this jazzy groove, and they'd do 10, 15, 20 minutes. Here, it's 46 minutes and change, and it's kind of like an acid trip. You start with the verse, and it's very lyrical, and then you get into the jazzy stuff. Then you get into the sort of what what Deadheads call a tiger jam, where Jerry's like playing this really fast stuff on the guitar, and then it gets into this atonal music, and then it kind of floats around a bit, and then it comes back, and it kind of resolves back into the verse and the chorus. It's extremely powerful. It's a symphony. It's a chamber symphony. It's one of the more extraordinary songs, live songs by the dead. Now, is it the longest song? June six seventy there is a uh, turn on your love light that is a bit longer. Uh, I believe it's 49 minutes. But there is some question as to whether the tape has the appropriate provenance. In other words, at one point, with about nine minutes left, there's like an extended guitar just note, and then music comes back, and it, people are suggesting it might be spliced. The Dark Star of 51172 is listed as 4712. It's a little bit longer, but there's a four minute drum solo in it. Now, when the dead were playing and the drums would come in, the rest of the band would walk off for a couple minutes. They'd get something to drink, smoke a cigarette, do some lines, and then they'd come back and they'd slowly come in after the drum solo. So this is the single longest continuous song. There are 90-minute jams where they've done three songs in a row, but this is, um, you know, on its own, it stands out. Regardless of whether it is the Guinness Book of World Record holder for the longest continuous single Grateful Dead song, it's an amazing recording. <laughs> is there a category for that? Um, we should make one. We really should. <laughs> uh, it was released on vinyl last year for a Record Store Day. 7,400 copies were released. 2140 is side one, and 2444 is side two. So what they do is they kind of fade out side one and fade in on side two. And it's, you know, yeah, it's not great, but (laughs) this is what... If you remember the Europe 72 album, it did that on, I believe, sides three and four. It faded out and faded back in because it was a long jam over two discs. Yeah, that's true. So other than that, you can get it on a smaller version of the Pacific Northwest set, Believe It If You Need It, which is just three CDs and has lots of other really good stuff. So,
0: boy, if you're not into the dead, this just must sound incredibly, you know, even, even I am, I'm, I'm, I'm just a casual dead listener, but the, um, the minutia that is considered, you know, it's just, uh, it's at, at first I used to think it was foolish, but no, you know what? If you're into something, you're into something and, uh, you know, Arguing about the minutiae is, I think, a, a you know a, a, a fun sport. It's no
1: different than stats uh, for sports.
0: Right, exactly. But,
1: Doug, you will have an opportunity to hear it, because this three-CD release is available on Apple Music.
0: Oh, but well then I'll... Uh... We'll
1: link to it in the show notes,
0: as usual. My next track pick this week is uh, a good old good one that I actually haven't listened to all the way through. It's Blondie's Parallel Lines. I think I know every song on the album. They released six singles from it, including... A uh, Heart of Glass, which was a, an international hit. But that wasn't the first single, and I was really surprised to discover what the first single from it was, and it's, it was Picture This, which is a kind of a lame <laughs> sort of... It's not Blondie. I mean, it is Blondie, but it's not... You know, you'd think the first single would be something a little more heavy. Like, I've always liked the first cut, hanging on the telephone. Whenever I hear that beep 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 and then the drums, and she comes in and says, I'm in the phone booth, it's the one across the hall. It just sets a great... New York sort of scene, you know, she's in the hallway, gonna argue with her boyfriend, and she's in the phone booth across the hall. So you know that it's a lousy little motel, hotel sort of place. Um, I've always loved that. Um, but anyway, like I was saying, I've, I've been hearing these songs individually pop up over the years, but I hadn't really listened to the album all the way through, and I'm really looking forward to it. I, um, cause I did listen to the album when it first came out all the way through quite frequently. And my favorite songs are I Know But I Don't Know, which I, another song I thought they should have released as a single and they didn't. And Hanging on the Telephone, as I said. But some of these songs, they, this was the album where they went pop. They were, before that, they were considered new wave and, and rock new wave. But this album was produced by, uh, what's his name? Mike Chapman, uh, who produced a lot of hits for British bands in the seventies, The Sweet. And people like that. This guy is sticky, sweet pop. And this is their, this is the album that, that, that he produced for them first. They continued to work with them for, for the rest of their, for the rest of their career. So it's quite different from the first two albums, which I kind of liked. Uh, I like their first and second albums, which are Blondie and Plastic Letters. But Parallel Lines is really a big deal. It came out in late 1978, w- was a huge hit in the, uh, winter and spring of 79, and that's when everybody found out about Blondie. So that's what I'm going to be listening to. You like, are you a Blondie fan?
1: You know, it, it was in the air back then. And this was just the period yeah. when everyone was shifting into new wave ish, post punk type music. And, you know, this is the end of the disco period. I'm just noticing on Wikipedia that the album version of Heart of Glass was replaced with the disco version that was five minutes and 50 seconds on pressings of the album from March 79 onward. Because the non disco version is very different, it is a pop track yet the disco long mix was probably the one that we heard the most in spite of the length
0: on the radio before they actually in the the demo version of of Heart of Glass is called the disco song so even they knew that they had to do something with a disco beat you know they i think they even talked about trying to copy some of the some of the riffing from uh, Saturday Night Fever because they weren't even though they were from New York and they probably were very familiar with the dance scene they weren't you know, they 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 didn't play that kind of music. Um, if you listen to their first two albums, they're a rock band. So Chapman turned them into a pop disco uh, band, which was probably a good thing because Heart of Glass became an international hit. And not just in the United States, but everywhere. It was well, a huge, so,
1: so did One Way or Another.
0: Yes, yep, yep, yep.
1: Now, I didn't realize that Robert Fritt played guitar on this.
0: Yeah, on uh, Fade Away and Radiate. He provides the... Which... Uh, yeah. Let's get Robert it's Fripp to come in here Fripp. and do... Ring, 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 ring. Okay, we got it. Well, they
1: had all they had all heard the, the David Bowie album, Heroes, right. and they figured that that was the sound that everyone needed to
0: have a hit. <laughs> That's true. He did the same thing on Heroes. I haven't
1: listened to this record probably in... Let's see, it's 40 years old, so I probably haven't listened to it in 37 years, but I'm going to spin it later because this will bring back a lot of memories. This really was the kind of thing... What's interesting is that this was a crossover that the same way that rap in that period... Was crossing over from the black population in New York to the white. This sort of record was crossing over in the other way with Heart of Glass, and you would hear this on boomboxes in New York a lot. So it it was an interesting time, it wasn't this? Seventy-eight was the same time when the Rolling Stones came out with um, what's their disco song? Uh, 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 I miss you. Yeah. Was that seventy-eight or eighty? And around I miss you. Yeah.
0: everybody was doing a, mm. that New York disco sound. Yeah. The New York Disco Center. This was episode number 140 of The Next Track. Thank you very much for listening. Your comments on the show are welcome. You can start or join a conversation on this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. And if you can't leave a review, recommend us to a friend or two using your built-in voice technology. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.